Thanks for checking out the YVF podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you in whatever season of life you're in. Now here's Pastor Kevin. Well, we are going through the book of Revelation together on Tuesday evenings, and uh, uh, we are approximately halfway through the book, and I've taken off for a while, and we had a really wonderful trip, and I already testified about that on Sunday, but uh, while we were on this trip, one, one of the things about the book of Revelation and the Bible in general, anything in the Bible, is as, as I over the years, teach the Word of God and minister the Word of God. And hopefully this, this is true for you as you study the Word of God and share the Word of God with, with other people. You know, it's, it's, it, it's never exhausted. It keeps, it keeps on going. There's always more and more and more. And uh, every time that I've done a series on, the, on Revelation, I get my notes out and they turn into completely new notes uh, with a lot of stuff added to them and maybe just things said in a different way as the Holy Spirit's leading for this day and this time that, that we live in. And while I was on this trip, actually driving in the middle of the night, because we drove 23 hours straight through to Oklahoma, and then when we were coming back, we drove 23 hours straight through, and I was getting tired of trying to find something to listen to and stay awake. And so I found a podcast. I said, you know, I just I'm find somebody just reading the Bible. So I found some Catholic priest that's got... It's like the number 10 most popular podcast in America. I thought, well, at least Catholics are listening to the Word of God. But uh, <laughs> uh, some Catholic priests just read the Bible almost without commentary, so I just turned him on. And he was uh, going through First Chronicles, and as he was reading, and I'm going to share this on Sunday, not tonight, because I was going to share it on tonight. And when I started to get it ready, I realized that's not going to be a five-minute thing, because it all spilled over to the Book of Acts and all these things. And, and uh, as he was reading, all of a sudden, I, I just got this understanding about something in the book of Revelation that I had never seen before in the Bible, and it came out of First Chronicles. So that was really cool for me, and uh, the Lord just really put a word on my heart. You know how it is, just in one minute, just drops this in my heart. And uh, of, of what, you know, and so on Sunday, I guess what I'm saying is we're going to kind of do some review in Acts, because we really need to focus on what a New Testament church really is, and on the, the presence and power of God, and the living Word of God, and uh, how people meet Jesus in church, that it's the house uh, where His presence is. But we'll talk about all that on Sunday. I was just wanting to say that uh, it's not really easy for me to do a, a big review on the book of Revelation. I've given you a lot of notes, and you can go through those. Uh, but I do want to try to do some questions and answers tonight. Although, Shalene is not here. And she's the one that said, I've got a whole list of questions. So, I told Tanya, if nobody has any questions, well, we'll just go home. And, uh, I mean, we've already gotten a lot of ministry tonight, that's for sure. Uh, but I do want to start, I was praying about what should I do in the way of review, because we've gone through so much. And... Um, you know, basically where we are right now in the book, I'll just give you this just to remind you, that the, 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 part of, the parts of the book that follow a chronology, uh, especially dealing with the last uh, three and a half years before the time that Jesus comes back, uh, what we call the time of the Great Tribulation, 
they follow this chronology of the seven seals. And the book with the seven seals and the lamb uh, begins to open those seals. And the first five seals belong in one section. And then the sixth seal uh, is different. And then the seventh seal is really the second coming of Jesus. But before he comes back, inside of the seven seals are seven trumpets. And again, the first five, uh, or uh, the first four, actually I didn't say the first four in the last three of the seals. The first four uh, are different in character, and the last three are called the last three woes. And then when the seventh trumpet sounds, which is the last trumpet, or the third woe, um, then there are seven bowls of God's wrath that are poured out upon the earth. So where we are is we're just in the, uh, we're in the fifth trumpet. We're getting ready to go into the sixth trumpet. And we've just finished chapter uh, 10 of the book. So as I was praying that before we have any questions, I just wanted to share this in my heart because I just, the Lord just said, this is what I want you to review tonight, okay? And uh, in Revelation chapter 1, and in verse 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that's the first thing I want to review. It's repeated over and over again. This is not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the dragon. It's not the revelation of 666. All that stuff is in the book. But this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it says that this revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, and that signifies the Father, gave him, gave to the Son, Jesus, to show, so that Jesus would show this revelation to his bondservants. And we are his bondservants today. That Greek word for bondservant is doulos, and we did a whole little mini lesson on this. It basically means a slave, uh, a servant who belongs to his master. But in the Hebrew context, and we looked at the Old Testament, it's specifically the servant, because they didn't have the kind of slavery that you know we saw in the 19th century and before that in this nation, and that still exists in some nations, and in places in the world, but it was a kind, it was a kind, they had a, like an indentured servant where you could work off that time. And, but in the law, if a person came to the end of that time and said that he loved his master, and he didn't want to leave his master, then he could give himself over to the master for his entire life to be his servant. And they would place an awl on his, his ear, and put a hole in his ear, and presumably an earring there that would signify that he is the doulos, the servant of his master. And that's really what's being referenced here and throughout the New Testament when Paul says, I'm a bondservant or a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been purchased with a price and set free, but we have willingly submitted ourselves to Jesus. So we are his bondservants. We are supposed to have this revelation. It's not supposed to be confusing to us. It's not supposed to be something that we cannot understand. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a word to us to bring liberty into our lives and freedom. So it says, these are the things which must soon take place. And he sent them and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. And this is the part I want to focus on. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. When we first started the book of Revelation, we talked about that. 
and I told you and I gave them to you that there are seven blesseds in the book of Revelation. And I just want to read through those. The first of them we just read. The second, it's actually interesting that there are seven of them. The second one is in Revelation chapter 14. And in Revelation 14 and in verse 13, it says, uh, Revelation 14, 13, it says, uh, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. And if we go through these, you know, if you're not, uh, <laughs> if you don't really understand God's purposes and his plan for our lives, then that sounds a little macabre, a little, you know, offbeat there. How can you be blessed if you die? But everyone dies. And it says very plainly that blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. And it's telling us that our attitude, even towards death in this age and our attitude towards the lives that we live in this age should be radically different, that we should have no fear of losing our lives for, for the Lord and of putting our lives on the line. And most of us are probably, I don't know what's coming in America, but probably never going to face an actual situation where you're going to be executed by the king for your faith. But we face day in and day out situations where we're, we're, we're we, we have to die to ourselves to really be Christians, to really live for the Lord. And I do believe that if we believe the book of Revelation, there are things coming, even in our nation, and maybe even especially in our nation, where we will be ready to lay down our lives for the sake of Jesus. So blessed are those. And then the next one is in chapter 16, and in verse 15, where it says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. So there's coming a day when our shame will be exposed to the whole world if we are walking about naked. So blessed are they who keep their clothes, who are prepared for the coming of the king. And then in chapter 19, verse 9, which coming we don't know when it will be, so we have to stay prepared. Chapter 19 and verse 9 it says, then he says to me, write, it's interesting that in these times he tells him, write this down, make sure this gets written down, so that they'll read it at Garrington Vineyard Fellowship in 2022. Then he says to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. That harkens me back to the parable Jesus tells of the ten virgins, that there are five wise virgins who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because even though they fell asleep, all ten of them actually fell asleep, but even though they fell asleep, before they fell asleep, they were prepared to make it all the way. They had enough oil. That's, you know, we should be storing up the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. We should have a, uh, if we didn't have a dollar in the bank, we should have so much oil in our heavenly bank that we can make it through these last days. Uh, and there are things that we should, uh, you know, the Bible says that we should actually be using the unrighteous man for the sake of making friends for ourselves in the age that is coming. In other words, we're preaching the gospel and bringing people to Jesus, storing up that oil. So blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Chapter 20, verse 6. Chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. 
Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, these are things that we haven't gotten to yet in the book, but we've already talked a lot about the first resurrection and how there are two resurrections, and everyone's going to be raised from the dead. But the first resurrection is a resurrection unto eternal life, and the second is unto eternal damnation. And then in chapter 22, verse 7, coming to the end of the book, there are two blesseds in this chapter. In verse 7 it says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. So the first blessed tells us that we should read this book and we should heed the words of this book. And then it's repeated here in chapter 22, verse 7. And then it says, finally, in verse 14, Blessed are they, or those, who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. And then John confirms the, the, this, this word, this prophecy in verse 17 by saying, by writing, I'm sorry, in verse 18 by writing, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. So in saying that, we understand that the one who is blessed and has a right to the tree of life is the one who heeds the words of God, who believes the word of God and follows after Jesus with all of his heart, who's ready for the coming of the Lord. Um, it's pretty obvious, I think, without going into a detailed uh, exegesis of the scripture, that these final words of Revelation, being also the final words of the Bible, apply to the entire Bible. I actually could show you other scriptures that tie that all together, but it's, it's not necessary. They apply to the entire Word of God, and this is the ending of what, of what God has given to us in His Word, and it tells us not to add to this, and don't take anything away from it. Just listen, heed these words, and follow, because He is coming quickly. Amen? Amen. So I want to do this right now. I just want to ask you if you have a question about anything that we've gone over in the first 10 chapters of the book of Revelation, you can ask that tonight. Again, uh, Chilling had all the questions for us. But, uh, or, I mean, if you have a question about something else in the book, you can ask it. I might save you this whole line. We'll talk about that when we get to it. If you've got any question on the Bible, I guess you can ask it if you want to, but please don't ask me where King got his wife from, because, you know, I got my theories, but I don't want to go into that. Or dinosaurs on the ark and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I guess you can ask it if you want. Let's give it a theory. But uh, especially dealing with the teaching that we've had over the past weeks, uh, I'll try to answer your questions. <laughs> Hopefully. I might not have an answer, or I might just not remember. Anybody got any questions? If you got a question, here's what you got to do. Because people listen to this on the podcast, and people watch it online. And you would be surprised, when we were in Kansas City ministering uh, the Sunday before last, I had a lot of people come up and talk about how they love listening to Revelation on the podcast. And would you please not cut off the podcast before the ending prayer? Because I always cut that part off. Thinking, they don't like that. This is like our prayer time. They said, we need to hear the prayer. We need to hear the thing all the way to the end. I said, okay. 
Sorry, putting the prayers on there at the end, too. So there are people listening to it. Your question might help somebody else. So what I need you to do is say your question in the microphone. And uh, so the easiest thing would be just come up here without being afraid. I got a question. You can just, I mean, you can ask from where you are. Can you? Jerry, you got a question? I do. Oh, and you look like you had a question. <laughs> I hope it pertains well to the learning, but um, so. Is, is it on? It's on. Yeah, it is. Okay, it's just quiet. It's on. Okay, so I read about, you know, uh, Luke talking about uh, Lazarus and uh, Abraham's bosom. But I was wondering, I'm a believer, I love the Lord. Let's say I die tomorrow. Where will I be? Will I be, I mean, where will my spirit be? Oh, yeah. my body will be in ground? That's it. That's easy. Okay. Thank you for an easy question. it's not So the scripture says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So where will you be? You will instantly be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know where he is because we see him seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So... Just to go over the things we talked about related to the bosom of Abraham. So there, there are, there, there's a place that sometimes is just called in general hell. And I told you then hell's not really, it's a Nordic word. It doesn't really, comes from Norse mythology. It's not really a Bible word. Uh, but it's okay. It's our English word. Uh, uh, but, but this idea of hell doesn't necessarily apply just to the place of the damned. So there is an underworld or another world, and as I said then, I don't know if it's actually if you drill deep enough and get there physically, I don't think that's the point, uh, because it's a place for spirits, and what's spiritual isn't always obvious to us, like what's physical. There are angels all over this auditorium right now, and uh, I don't see them. God will, we could see an angel, we could see many angels. But if you, I've never seen an angel with my open eyes in my life, and I don't feel like I'm less of a Christian because of that. So um, that that doesn't really matter as far as, well, how do we know that's in the middle of the earth? Uh, but I will say, nobody's ever drilled in the middle of the earth, and it's a pretty big place in the middle of the earth, and it is all fire down there. But anyway, we know from what Jesus said, it wasn't a parable, that uh, there were, were two compartments in this place, and one is... Hades, and that this is a place of the damned. And when I say the damned, you know, it sounds like I'm using a bad word, I'm talking about those who have been condemned. But it's really not completely the place of the damned. It's more like a jail. You know, a person gets sent to jail before they get sent to prison, because they haven't been judged yet. But really, just to make it simple, because they did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They might be saying, well, in the Old Testament, how would they have known to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, they would have known. They may not have called him Jesus, although they knew this name, Yeshua. Um, they didn't know everything about him, and they longed to know and they longed to see. But all people everywhere at all times have always been saved by faith. So another question that leads off that, what about the people who haven't heard? Thankfully, didn't ask that, and we could get into that too. But the, even with the people that have, haven't heard, you know, God in his mercy sees the faith of a person's heart. And people are saved by faith. So in, before Jesus went to the cross, when a person died, they would go either to Hades uh, or to what was called, what Jesus called, the bosom of Abraham. Actually, I don't need this one. Uh, to the bosom of Abraham. 
And so the bosom of Abraham is a good place, and uh, Hades is a bad place. And uh, when uh, the rich man is in Hades, he looks over and he can see Abraham and he can talk to him, but he can't go over there because Abraham says that there's an abyss between us. There's a gulf fixed between us. You cannot cross over that abyss. And that just totally shoots down the idea that people have, well, well, after people die, they can still maybe get saved then. No, it's appointed that the man wants to die. And after this comes the judgment. And uh, so he couldn't cross over there. And, uh, uh, and this place called the bosom of Abraham is called also paradise. Okay, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Right? Also, there's a third, at least a, 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 another place, another compartment that we just use this Greek term Tartarus to refer to. And this is a place where uh, angels that sin, we know specifically that those angels which crossed all angels, all, all demons or you know fallen angels have sinned. But there are those who break the rules so flagrantly, they cross lines that God will not allow them to cross, that they have to be in prison. And we read about these in the Old Testament that slept with women, that they came in physical form and had relationships with women. Giants literally were born, the Nephilim were born of these women. And so they were condemned into this place. They, they were bound. And this is also called the bottomless pit. And it plays a big role in the book of Revelation because some of them are being released from there uh, onto the earth. And we've already seen it. These locusts and these things. And then Satan will be bound that place for a thousand years. And then the final place is called the Lake of Fire. And the Lake of Fire is really the place of the condemned, because that's where all those who did, did our names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who are not a part of the first resurrection, but a part of the second resurrection, they will have their day in court, and they will stand before the throne of God, and they will be judged according to their deeds. And you know that if any one of us was judged according to our deeds and not according to faith in Jesus, we would all be sent to the lake of fire. But they will they will be cast into the lake of fire. Interesting to note that the first person put into the lake of fire is the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they're just literally thrown in there alive. And then uh, they are cast in there, Satan is cast in there. But it's also interesting to note and important for us today in our evangelism and in our lives as Christians to understand that Jesus said that this place, the lake of fire, it was not made for people. It was made for the devil and his angels. So it's not a place that God has destined us to go if we only will receive the salvation that we've been given in, in Christ Jesus. So just to sum that up, this place, the bosom of Abraham, that's what the question was about. When uh, Jesus goes to paradise, he goes to the bosom of Abraham, if we put together other scriptures, that he descended into the lower parts of the earth, that he ascended and he led captivity captive. So what that means is he took those people out of the bosom of Abraham, including Abraham, all the righteous saints, all those who had died in faith, uh, whoever's in that bosom of Abraham, and he took them into the presence of God, into heaven. They could not go there until he had died on the cross. And when he raised up from the, from the dead, from that moment forward, we see in the New Testament, Paul says, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven, and he says that place is paradise. So we know that that paradise under the earth is just empty now. If 
if we were looking at it as a as a you know like a ghost town shut down it got moved up to heaven so if we die today then we go directly to heaven to be in the presence of god that however is not the end because we were not destined we were not created to live without a body and our great hope is the resurrection from the dead and that we will live with him forever and ever does that answer the question yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> come on, come on. Somebody's got a question. Okay, come on. Sunday. That's okay. what I wrote. That's what I, I, I shared some things about that, but I'm going to give you some better. Okay. That's good. And then the two question is, is why do you think the earth has to be burned up? Is it because it's cursed? Okay. So, those aren't too good. Oh, um, and, and especially since you said you like things. So I'm sure. But, uh, uh, so, number one, I'm going to share more about that on Sunday, but when we looked at the 24 elders, one thing important is that I noted that even though, I mean, all the numbers in Revelation are symbolic. It's a prophetic and a poetic book. And number one, there is great symbolism in the number 24, just the two times 12, the 12 tribes of Israel and the uh, 12 apostles of the Lamb, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, um, and uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. One new man, and uh, we know that's not just fishing for some symbolism because that symbolism is throughout the book with the New Jerusalem. Uh, and then, but I do believe that it's an actual number 24, uh, and that there are actually elders there, and they are not angels. And we talked about this a little bit, but uh, they're given crowns, and we never see that angels are given crowns, that the crowns are given to those who are the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to us. And they sit on thrones, and angels don't sit on thrones. But they sit on their thrones around the throne of God, and we uh, see that their ministry is a priestly ministry, that they have these censers, and they have these bowls, and in the bowls are the prayers of the saints, and they are burning this incense before the Lord, and the prayers of the saints are rising up before the Lord. So they have a priestly uh, ministry, and uh, we're, I'm going to talk more about that on, on Sunday, but in First Chronicles, there, there actually are 24 priests that are uh, established, are, are set up by David, and uh, in the tabernacle of David, that number was very significant, And but these priests were not the high priests, and I'll explain this on Sunday, but they... Uh, when that happened, it was a time of reformation in the high priestly ministry, because the high priestly ministry of Eli, you remember from 1 Samuel, had fallen, and because of his sons, that they were so evil. But there was a reformation in the high priestly ministry that went to Zadok, a guy there, and at that time, he established these 24. And these 24, their ministry was to minister to the high priest. And so that's who I think they really, their main thing is they minister to the real high priest, to the eternal high priest, to the better high priest, to Jesus Christ, who is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so that's who they are as far as who they 
you know, I talk about this, I mean, there's a lot of theories. They, they could actually have been resurrected already. Because in Matthew, it tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, some Old Testament saints were resurrected. And it's weird, but it says it. And they walked around Jerusalem, and people knew who they were, and then they were not. Like, they went on up to heaven. So some of those saints might be the ones that are sitting there in heaven as the 24 elders. All that's just my opinion, but they're pretty important people in the book of Revelation. And their, their job is to minister to, to Jesus. On, uh, and they're, they're like 24 big pastors for our, for our internal church. Um, and about the earth, so the earth being burned up, and when we get to this, we'll explain it better from the Greek and different things. But uh, that does not signify that the planet is destroyed. God makes a new planet. It really has a signif signif signifies a signification of the surface of the earth being burned up, of it being remodeled, if you will, refurbished, if you will. And I don't think that's because uh, the planet is necessarily so polluted or there's so much sin or something like that. Uh, but I do think that, uh, I don't just think, I know what the scripture says in the book of Romans, that all of creation is groaning under our sin that God had to limit the power of creation. As powerful as creation is, we can't even imagine what it was like before our sin. And God had to limit the power of creation. He had to put clamps down on the power of creation or we would have just been destroyed. And so he did that for our protection. And it says that all of creation is groaning and awaiting the revelation or the manifestation of the sons of God. And that's talking about our resurrection from the dead. And when the sons of God are resurrected from the dead, then there will be a refurbishing, and I could go through the chronology, I don't believe it happens right at the time of the resurrection, that after the thousand year reign of Christ, uh, other people have different theories on that, it doesn't, we can't just go with what Peter said, because Peter doesn't get into chronology, he just puts it all out there. And the earth is going to be burned up with fire and all the elements, and then God's going to start everything over again. So, yes, it's in a sense like the flood of Noah, only done with fire. Uh, not to destroy the planet, but to make the planet the way it was always supposed to be. And to restore things to the way that he created them to be. That is kind of important, though. I, I think all of you know this, but uh, uh, most people, it seems like, because this way you hear all the time, well, when we die, we'll go to heaven and we'll live forever with God in heaven. But that's not what the Bible says, actually. We were created to live on this earth, and he will make a new heaven and a new earth. Even heaven will be made new. And uh, so in the resurrection, we will actually live on this earth, and God will dwell here with us that he made this earth really be heaven. We're the ones that turned it into hell, and he, you know, with, with a lot of help from the devil. And he wants to remake it, and, and that's what he's going to do. So, so yes, not, but not because of trees and cougars and whoever else are sinful, uh, but because of our sin and what we've done on this earth. But there is a whole ecology sermon in that too. I know those aren't so popular these days, but, but anybody that loves nature knows that we're ruining it. <laughs> okay, any other questions? Okay, still got time. Tony, you got a question? <laughs> She, she just wants to obey the scriptures. Says the wives ask her husband at home. <laughs> but seriously, anybody have another question? 
Yes, it's agreement. Okay, well then say your question, I'll repeat it. Okay, so the new heaven and the new earth, so I would like to imagine that the new earth would be like the Is that a question? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. So the question is about will the new heaven and the new earth, will that mean, does that mean that the earth will be like the Garden of Eden? I, I think yes, and I think no a little bit, and here's why. Yes, because the Garden of Eden was a limited space, and when we read about the Garden of Eden, that God gave Adam and Eve this authority in that garden to keep that garden, and as I understand that, they would have, as they had children, as they reproduced, they would have spread out from there and covered the entire planet, which we ended up doing, but we ended up doing it in sin, right? So I believe that it will be like the entire planet being like the Garden of Eden. However, if we read carefully in Scripture, there's no reason for us to think that we're going to be bored that we're not going to have anything to do. Sometimes I think about that, and it, honestly, it's just hard for me to imagine. Because as much as we'd like to have all the trouble gone out of our lives, when we think of us having no trouble, we think, well, what are we going to do? Because most of what we do is finding trouble and fixing things, right? Like, what, if I don't even have a car, how am I going to fix it? I can fly around then or whatever. But, but I know from the Scripture that we will have jobs. It says that we will rule and we will reign. And uh, that there will be always, you know, this is our God. Our God is a creator. And it's going to be, we just have to trust and we have to believe that. Because um, we don't know what it was like in the Garden of Eden. We just have a little smidgen there in the Bible that, that tells about it to us. And if we leave it to our imaginations. Have you ever imagined, I, I used to always, when I was a kid, we were going to go over to somebody's house. And we'd never been there before my parents told us ahead of time. I'd always try to imagine what their house was like when I'd get there. It was never like I imagined. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Sometimes I'd be disappointed. Sometimes I'd be way more excited. Like, wow, I didn't know they had a pool table or whatever. And uh, so I think it has to be something like that. We just can't even imagine. And when we, when we you know, like I said about the Bible, it's, it's inexhaustive. It never ends. So how much more must it be like that in eternity? That the, the, the pleasures, the joy, the excitement, the adventure will, will never end in, in the Lord. Um, yeah, we like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and I think it'll be this earth. No, I mean, not, even, not even any reason to think that the Walker River won't exist. I mean, why, why should it not exist? God created this earth, but I, I don't think the desert will be dead. Anyway, any other questions? Oh, I, I have one, but I don't want to come up there. That's okay. Um, I'll just, I just thought of it. Um, you know, in listening to uh, Christian radio and um, in reading the Bible, when God made the angels, he only made them male, is what I understand, because he, the names of the angels in the Bible are, in fact, male. So, uh, and that's, um, that, that is true. I mean, that's the way I understand it. So is that the question? Yes. Okay, so when God made the angels, did he only make them male, or did he make them male and female? <clears throat> so I'm going to give a pretty categorical answer to that, and then I'm going to have to qualify it a little bit. 
the categorical answer is he only makes it male. I know that that's not popular today, but it's how it is. But it's not just, it's not just because the pronoun is he. But why do I say that? I say that because, first of all, I have, to, I have to say that what do we mean by male and female? And I'm not trying to tread on the ground of what everybody's got in their crazy heads today about that. But when God created man, the Bible says that he created him, male and female, created he them. And you know the story that Eve was inside of Adam. He didn't make her as a separate being. And you know for a fact that you have mommy and a daddy, and that you came from both of them. You've got X chromosomes and Y chromosomes, and you know, you're, you're both of them. So, you know, I have children, I have a lot of children. Some of them are boys, some of them are girls. So that means all of that was inside of me also. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, God created us, he created us male and female. He did not create angels to reproduce. So if we're talking about male in the sense of reproduction, that was not God's plan for them. Yet, we have every indication in the scripture, and from the most ancient of times, the Hebrew scholars believe that that's what that means. They did at one time cross a line and do that. So they had that physical possibility. It says they did it with women. Uh, obviously, Satan comes in many disguises, and in his worst disguise is the one where he comes as an angel of light. So, of course, he could disguise himself as female, I guess, or whatever. But um, God created the angels. I don't want to say neutral, because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, they, they, if, we, if we have to put it in a category, then they're male. Okay? But he didn't create them to reproduce. Uh, that's not, uh, there's a lot of things he didn't create them for. He did not create them to reproduce. He did not create them to have a free will. Uh, that's one of the ways to explain why there's no salvation for the devil. Because he never, you know, we had a right to make a choice. We were created in the image of God with the free will. And we made the wrong choice. Uh, but there is salvation for us. But when the devil and his angels fell, there's no going back from that. Because they were never created in the image of God in the sense that we are. And they never had that, that free will. Um, so I guess that's probably the best answer I can give you. <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, Dan. Uh, is the mark of the beast going to be an actual mark or is it more just a... Well, just read it. In Revelation 13, It says in verse 16 that he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor. By the way, this is the false prophet that does this. Not, not the, the first beast, but the second beast. But he, it's the mark of the first beast, but the second beast makes people get it. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, the number is that of man, and his number is 666. So notice the, this phrase, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. I mean, honestly, I, there's no way I could say what it's going to actually be like. But just even that phrase alone tells us that there would be like different options for that and that it could come in different ways. 
and they wouldn't have had the kind of technology that we have today, uh, obviously back then. Um, uh, but the uh, uh, so you know it could be something electronic, you know it could you know that's just all speculation um, on my part. But I want to just I just need to remember something real quick. Um, So the, the word mark there is a Greek word, karagma. And karagma is completely different from the seal that God puts on us, and we talked about that. But the, the, the word karagma means a cutting, and, and it's the word they used for a tattoo. Okay, I'm not making an anti-tattoo sermon right now. If you have tattoos, don't feel guilty. But that's what it meant. And you know that in the ancient world, the tattoo was uh, put onto a slave. That, that that it was a, like a branding. And this word karagma can actually mean a branding also, uh, something that's burned into a person's body. But, it's, but the, the point of it is that it's something permanent, that once you do it, you're stuck with it. You decided that. And that's why the warnings are, don't do it. Don't receive the mark of the beast. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked into that, because once you do it, there's no way to go back. So there are two choices of the mark in the... In the uh, right hand or in the forehead, and there are two choices. It would be the name or the number of the beast, and whether that means it can be something electronic or not, I don't know, but what's interesting to me is that the, the false prophet, the second beast, forces people to receive this mark if they want to buy or sell. And we actually have something kind of bordering on to that, you know, with the whole COVID and the vaccine stuff. And uh, I'm not saying that that's what that was, but I do actually believe that that was something to condition us, uh, you know, to test the waters to see how we react to things like that. Because you can't buy or sell unless you do these certain things. And, uh, and you still can't. There's certain places you can't do things you can't do unless, unless you have a vaccine. And uh, so you have to get that. But in for, enforcing that on people, it says that they still get to make a choice. You get that? It's still, it's still democratic. Everybody's, oh, I'm okay. I get to choose. I can have it on my hand or on my forehead. I can have a name or a number. You know, and when people have a choice, a so-called choice, they think everything's okay. Because this is the democracy. It's the United States of America. If they told us to do this, then it must be okay, you know. And they're not making this good. We get to choose, which, you understand? And that's what I read into that, I think, is the, the most, uh, perhaps, telling thing of what it will look like. It may look like different things for different people. But it will be a, an agreement between you and the devil that I will compromise my life with Christ so that my kids can go to college, so that I can go to the store and buy food, so that I can keep doing my business or whatever else. And the warning is not to receive that. That didn't have answer. <laughs> but I don't know what it will look like. I actually. I just tend to go literally with the Bible, and so I have another reason not to think so. So I actually think it'll be, you know, a tattoo or a chip or something physical that's put onto the body of a person. And, you know, the masks and vaccines and all that kind of stuff made me realize, yeah, we actually, that could actually happen. That they would require you to get a chip or a tattoo or something, and you would do it. 
And, and again, please don't get offended if you have tattoos. I really honestly don't care. But it is an interesting thing to note that the, the popularity of tattoos, you know, when I was a kid, nobody had a tattoo unless it was some guy in the Navy that had a ship on his chest or something. I, I remember asking my dad, because he was in the Navy, why don't you have any tattoos, Dad? And he answered one of those smart remarks about that. I won't repeat here. But, uh, but you know, today it's just super common. And, I almost feel naked when I go swimming because I don't have a tattoo. I feel like a rebel. I don't have a tattoo. You know, so, so that is interesting also. That it's, like, it's almost like we get conditioned for this. So, I, I, but again, please don't get up and be offended because I said that. Because I really don't care what my tattoos you have. Uh, I knew a girl who had the, the word demon tattooed right there on her, right there on her, on her arm. We love this girl with all of our heart. <laughs> and she came to know Jesus. And, and uh, it's a girl that was in our orphanage in, in Russia. But to this day, though, she's got a demon written there because, you know, it's not a whole lot of different things she could respell it with and change it into something else. <laughs> well, so it's in Russia. Yes. And she could write this, but then everybody thinks that meant she's bad. Anyway. <laughs> I just have to say that because I know everybody's sisters. But I don't. <laughs> okay, any other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings. Uh, greetings of God. Those of you who I know and those of you I don't know. Um, in view of what's happened in the last four or five days, um, terrorist shootings, and all of what's taken place in Texas, but I read where there was 14 terrorist shootings over the weekend. And what qualifies a terrorist shooting to be a terrorist shooting? There must be four or more people involved, wounded, or killed, not counting the shooter. So there would be five people involved. So we had 14 of those over the last few days. And the view of that, and I'm not trying to take you back in the Bible, but in Revelation, the sixth chapter, it talks about the horsemen that are released. And I know you're into this Revelation and you're studying it. My question is, do you think the first three or four horsemen have been released, and if not, why? And if so, why? And certainly the Bible says for us to be watchmen on the wall, to be in a sleepless state, to be in a state and a mind of soberness, to be in a state of coveredness, covered with the full armor of God. So with that in mind, are we watching? Do we know what we're seeing? And be prepared for what's coming this summer. Tomorrow is June 1st. I've heard quite a few preachers say that this summer is going to be the worst we've ever experienced. And all the ingredients are there. For sure, I'm not trying to cheer you up. <laughs> I, uh, I've never been to a Bible study and never asked a question. In fact, asked more than one, but 
I'm curious, Pastor, to what your flock here, your saints of God, uh, believe about the horsemen being the beast. Uh, first, the white horseman, which would be, in my opinion, a horseman rider would be deception. The red horse being bringing no peace to the earth. We can certainly see that. Is there a real peaceful atmosphere around right now? In the world, the world is a matchbox. Watch out, Pastor! I'm starting to preach here. <laughs> well, I'm not going to answer my question, but <laughs> and then we have the third horseman, the black horseman, which begins to talk about famine. I don't know. You guys go to the grocery store and see what's going on. Go to Walmart sometimes. The shelves are empty out. I was just there. I buy a couple items and they're gone. But all the signs are there that we should be prepared mentally for what's coming upon us. And I know you all talk to yourselves about that. It, it, it bothered me. I, my wife and I have only been here for less than a year in Burrington. We came out of Bishop, we moved to Walker, back to Bishop, and now we're in Burrington. And we like it here, real similar to Bishop. I call it the onion capital of the world. And uh, doesn't have the smoothest roads in the world. We're happy here. We could afford a place here. Uh, if we came here now, we probably couldn't afford it because things have gone up very quickly. Things are happening quickly in our world today. So, my question to you, Pastor, is Have these horsemen been released? And are they released to take a couple of laps and then put in the stall? Or are they going to get progressively worse as they go? <coughs> and that's my question. I know it might involve some opinion on your part. And I realize that. And in your opinion, I will not hold it against you. <laughs> okay, so let's answer that question. Some opinion, obviously. Uh, it's true. But we, we've actually, in our lessons, talked a lot about this. Uh, so the book of Revelation is chiefly, as far as the chronological part of it goes, beginning with the first seal, is dealing with a seven-year period. And mostly with a three and a half year period that's called the time of the Great Tribulation. And this goes back to the words that were spoken to Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9 without opening that and going over it all over again. Uh, but it's key to understanding the book of Revelation. So you have 77, which is 490 years. The 383 years, the first 69 sevens, were fulfilled to the very day of the crucifixion of Christ. And we've gone through that. Uh, and. Uh, uh, so there is a seven year period left and it tells us in Daniel chapter 9 somewhat uh, you know mysteriously that that would that, that, that would have the beginning of that would have something to do with uh, the prince of the people who are coming that will make some sort of treaty with Israel and uh, with the people of God and with Israel uh, for you know, nearly 2,000 years, 
uh, well, not 2,000 completely, but say a good 1,500 and more years after the book of Revelation, no Christian could even imagine there would be a, a state of Israel again, except for people that were really listening to the Holy Spirit. But that's easy for us because it is. Um, but what is specifically told to us and is not difficult to understand, although I don't think we'll know exactly what it is until we see it, though there are many examples of it, is that the time of the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years, will begin with the, uh, the beast, with the Antichrist, uh, making some sort of abomination of desolation in the holy place. And we'll talk a lot about that. Does that mean the temple has to be rebuilt? Does that mean the church? We can get a lot of theories on that, but there's going to be something that any Christian who's really listening to God, any believer who's abiding in the words of God, will know this is an abomination of desolation. And I gave you historical examples of the abomination of desolation and uh, that had already happened because prophecy happens in waves. Um, and everybody knew about it. These are not quiet little things. So, about the question about the horsemen. Uh, number one, I think that yes, it is possible that they have been released. And this might be popular, but I even gave an example of something that could have signified that. Uh, we had this when uh, Donald Trump was the president, this thing that had to be, that was rushed in at the end, called the Abraham Accords. I'm not saying it was evil, I'm not saying it was bad, and the Daniel chapter 9 doesn't say it's something evil or bad. I'm not saying that that is the fulfillment of that, but it is interesting. <laughs> that, that that is there and that what we're living through over the past years few years makes it look like something this, this I'm telling you for a fact it's not even opinion. something has radically changed on our earth okay there's been a huge change and um, we talked about Michael the archangel if you remember from Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 that Michael will arise and then there shall come a time of great tribulation such as has never been on the earth we went into the Hebrew and that compared it to what Paul writes, that you know what restrains it, the Antichrist, uh, but when he is taken out of the way. And we talked about how that is most likely, in my opinion, it's 100%, but it's most likely a reference to, because it's all referencing the Old Testament, because he said, you know what restrains it. And that that's a reference back to Michael the Archangel, because his word there in, in Daniel chapter 12 when it says that he arises, it means literally that he takes his hands off of things. And, you know, just two days ago, my son, Stephen, in Oklahoma, when to visit, uh, sent me this article, maybe you heard about it, about some guy in that white cake on the Mona Lisa in the Louvre. Anybody hear about that? Yeah. Okay. So, this guy, it's kind of funny, this is so crazy. This guy dresses up like a girl, gets in a wheelchair, and then gets pushed right up to the Mona Lisa in the Louvre, which has protective glass around it, so he couldn't hurt it anyway. And then wipes, hits a piece of cake and throws it at the Mona Lisa and wipes cake all over the Mona Lisa protective glass that protects the Mona Lisa and shouts out something to the effect of all great artists protected the environment and you should too. In other words, he was making an environmental statement like that. Okay? But when he sent me that article, <laughs> I just thought, what does that even mean? I mean, it used to be when somebody made an environmental statement, they did something that made some sense. How does that have possibly do with the environment that you would wipe cake on the Mona Lisa? And I thought, I thought, what could he mean by that? And I, I couldn't think of anything. And suddenly it just hit me. 
it doesn't mean anything. Because everything's gone crazy. People, our government, governments around, people just doing things that make zero sense at all. You know, I mean, if, if I were the president of the United States, and I'm happy to not, but if I were, I certainly would not think that it would be a good idea to put an embargo on Russian oil because I would have enough sense to know, well, that's just going to drive the price up and they're just going to get more money from that, which is exactly what happened. And we have to pay more money for gasoline. Nothing makes any sense. And, and I, so I wrote something back to my son about, I, I think that everybody's just gone crazy. And he wrote to me, because we've talked about this a lot, he said, Michael, the archangel has risen. <laughs> if we keep looking at these things, doesn't it seem like some kind of governor, some kind of control has just been taken off of the earth and that God's just letting it all go? Now, whether that means that this is a practice run, they're running some laps before the big releasing of them, or this is they have been released, I don't know. I do think it is possible that we're in the final seven years right now. I'm not going to tell you we are because I don't know that. When we're in the final three and a half, I think I'll know that for sure. And I think you'll know that for sure. But I don't know that for sure. But, you know, we had, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Karen at least. Although I think Michael Carr's in more like seeing that because I'm the problem. I did wait one other day. But when they came out here and told us, you know, that we we're going to be punished for having the church right before Easter during COVID, I, I told you then. I you know, lived for over 20 years in Russia. I faced some pretty serious things and even got kind of halfway arrested over there for some stuff and threatened in a lot of ways. Never. Never once did I ever have a uniformed police officer say, you're going to get in huge trouble, maybe go to jail if you have a church service. That only happened to me in the United States. And from that moment of time on, I realized we don't, well, we had the baccalaureate class tonight, and they invited me to do a little five-minute speech there, and, all, and I, skipped, I, I struggled with it for, for three days. Time will tell you, it's supposed to be five minutes long. I said, God, what can I tell them? For 12 years, They've been packing their head full of lies. Everything's a lie. What can I tell them in five minutes that would even be worth hearing that might guarantee their success? You know, life. And then the Lord just said, Tell them what I told Joshua at the beginning of the book of Joshua. So that's what I did in five minutes. But I told them, This, you may not believe me or don't know this, but this is not the same world. The one you're graduating into is not the world that you lived in when you went to school. And in 2008, when the housing bubble burst thing happened, and we were, Tanya and I were just getting ready to sign a contract on uh, an apartment in front of many we wanted to get to Tulsa at that time. We wanted to have, a, we were still living overseas, but we wanted to have a place in America, and we felt like we were ready to do that. And, and uh, literally, the day before we were going to sign that contract, that bubble thing burst. And the bank called and said, well, according to the new rules, you don't qualify. And I was real disappointed for about a minute. And then I realized, wait a minute. I just heard the voice of the Lord speaking to me that you will live through crisis after crisis after crisis. And each one is going to keep getting worse, keep getting worse. At the beginning of, you want to count some prophetic words that God gave me, you know, really want to focus on the Bible, but I know this is Bible. At the beginning of this year, at the end of 2021, I always pray at the end of the year, Lord, is there something you want to tell me for this year? And I really sense that the Lord told me everything that we that you were talking about in the news at the beginning of this year, 
will seem like something that happened 50 years ago at the end of this year. That things are changing so fast. What's news today is not going to be news at the end of this year because there's going to be more and more coming. And uh, so, yes, I think it's possible that they have been released already. Uh, but I don't know that they have. Uh, and, uh, but I do know, uh, I want to say no, because I really think that we don't know the day or the hour, but it says that he should not come close as a thief in the night. I know it's getting really close. And uh, if we're not ready, we need to be ready. And if our kids aren't ready, they need to get ready. Pull their heads off the screens, saying you can't play video games or whatever, but wake up. There's something serious happening in our world. You're the generation, the last generation. I really believe that before the return of Christ. Yeah. Yes, Linda? Um, I don't want to put more negative on top of all the negative. Well, that went negative. That's positive. Jesus is coming back. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, it is all positive. It is like the, wait, it's the birth pains. It is. You know, I know the lady having the birth pains isn't so excited, but dad over there is going, well, it's not great for us, but God's excited. <laughs> and he's in the heavens laughing. Okay, go ahead. Has anyone in the church heard of Turnout before? Is that an abbreviation? It's Switzerland, and it's this oh, massive giant thing that's yeah, in Switzerland. Yeah. It's the underground. Yes. Where they look for the golf particle. But what's happening? It's like a centrifuge sort of thing. Yeah, when they do this testing, uh, demons are released. A particle accelerates. Yes, thank you. Demons are released, bad things are starting to happen, and they haven't even fully tested it yet, but there are strange things happening already. They want to find out what the big bang was. That's the whole idea of the thing, is they want to reproduce the big bang. So, History once, and they were talking about the. Uh, I remember the guy's name offhand. I shouldn't know the school or anything, but the guy you know that was the head of the Manhattan Project. Oh, yeah, yes. and how uh, he was really genuinely science, genuinely afraid for them to do the first atomic explosion that it could cause a chain reaction yeah. that would destroy the Earth, which it didn't. But then when I heard that, I thought to myself, I don't even know. What <laughs> I mean, you know, because if he didn't even know what would happen, how do we know what's really happened since then? You know, and, and then on the way back in New Mexico, it was daytime, and they had this billboard that reminded me of it that said somebody protesting in New Mexico, New Mexico government, that said, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it said Mexico, New Mexico, number one in atomic. Um, uh, what do you call that when they experiment like, yeah. like atomic testing? You know, we've had, I think, a thousand 
And in fact, I guess they've got more than me because it said number one in atomic testing, number 50 in education for our children, or something like that. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, we, you know, like, did anybody know who Larry Norman is? Was? Nobody. Oh, come on. I wish we'd all been ready. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was Christian rock music we were listening to. But anyway, Larry Norman, he had this song. And in the song, he said uh, uh, something to the effect of, you know, we, we, we went to the moon to get some nice rocks, but we starved our children to do it. You know, one of those kinds of songs. It always kind of stuck in my head where he's pushed all this technology. For what? Just so we can destroy ourselves? <laughs> Which is what it's all working toward. And then already got old enough to be crazy enough to think, yeah, that's true, we didn't need to go to the moon. For reason, we don't go back there anymore. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. Point, it doesn't matter if we went to the moon or not. What matters is Jesus is coming back. Yes. Okay, so it's almost 8 o'clock. We're supposed to be done at 7 30, but I always run over, so we're okay. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Don't turn it off until the last prayer. Brother Joseph, can I ask you to pray? Yes. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your truth. I just thank you, Lord. Blessed are the ears that hear. And Lord, so just we just declare this blessing of your word over each and every one of us. Lord, that we'll just walk in your truth. We'll walk in your prophecy. Lord, we'll walk with eyes that see these things around us. We hope you enjoyed the message. Before you leave, we want to remind you that if you want to continue receiving updates on new sermons, that you subscribe to our podcast. If you want more information on how to contact us, make sure to check out our website at urintonbunyfellowship.com. And we'll see you next time on the YBF Podcast.